Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and today I am so thrilled to welcome back on the podcast a super funny comedian who you might know from Chelsea Lately or The Mindy Project or her excellent first hour-long special, Sweet and Salty. Her brand new stand-up special, Good Fortune, is streaming now on Netflix. Fortune Feimster, thanks for joining me again. Oh, Matt, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great great to have you back. I was looking back. Uh, you were on the podcast in January 2020, so you were in our last run of in-person yeah. guests when we were all just like chilling and and had no problems and life was great. I know. You and I were in a room together. Can I you know. believe it? I can't. It feels like uh, a decade <laughs> ago. I did. Actually, it really does. Um, you, you open your new special, which I loved by the way, by, oh, thank you. by joking, you know, just so much has, has happened in the world since, um, since your first special. Yeah. Um, but you know, so much has happened in your life as well mm -hmm. in the, in that time. Um, so yeah, I mean, can you, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, all the stuff that you had to kind of fit into this, this new hour? Cause you've had a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like we're at that point where it feels weird to talk about the pandemic. I know. I, <laughs> so you, I kind of hate so, talking about it. But, no, uh. <laughs> I know. But it's like, you know, like when you start the comedy special, you, it's like the thing you want to like, you want to acknowledge that it happened and then move on. I guess that's what um, we're doing now. We're, we're doing that in the, in the episode. We're acknowledging. <laughs> well, I think it's <laughs> more that we just all have pandemic fatigue. Exactly. Um, but I thought, you know, it was important to talk about it because it did you know, play a big part in my last, you know, two and a half years, which is the time between sweet and salty to now. And, uh, a lot of what happened was, um, getting engaged, getting married, um, establishing this like adult married life together. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was very autobiographical, this special, just like sweet and salty was, that was very much a, a a story of me figuring out who I was and my journey into uh, being more comfortable in my skin and coming out. And this one was definitely more of like, here I am as an adult. Uh, I'm making these big life decisions. Um, I might not be exactly the person that I appear on the outside. And it's just sort of peeling back the curtain a bit more on who I am and my life now, which was a really fun thing to share with people. Yeah. I mean, Sweet and Salty was really your big introduction to the to the comedy world in a way um, and to a much bigger audience. Um, how did that special change your your life and career? Because I'm, I'm sure you a lot of people saw you for the first time on that. and um, But at the same time, it came out right before a lot of yeah. stuff shut down. But <laughs> yeah. um, what, what impact do you feel like it had um, that first special coming out? Well, it was interesting because I started stand up in 2007 and I had been um, 
touring and headlining very steadily since 2010 when, when I did last comic standing. Um, but, but it was almost like a lot of people didn't know that part of my career. They, they had seen like me do the half hour at comedy central and the one on Netflix, but I feel like that hour is the thing that really cements you as like, this is a tried and true. This is a real stand up comedian. So that was always my goal was to, to have that. Um, so I think it really opened the door, um, to a new audience and people being like, Oh, she, she does stand up. And you're like, yeah, I have been for a while, but, um, but that was a really cool professional milestone and, uh, having it come out in the end of January, 2020, um, was wild because, uh, people watched it and we put out this tour and it sold out like right away. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like the coolest thing ever. And it was like the night before I was supposed to head to that tour, I was all packed. And I think it was like March 11th or something. And they were like, Nope, <laughs> not happening. So like a lot of people, you know, your life was disrupted in different ways, but um, you just were glad to be healthy and safe at home. And, um, the one positive that came from it is that people were home for a long time. So a lot of people found the special that maybe might not have found it otherwise. So it, it really opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that one of the themes of this new special is sort of, um, talking about the wrong assumptions people make about you or misconceptions. Um, what do you feel like are the the biggest misconceptions that people make about you, even sort of in a, in the comedy world or as a comedian? Um, as a comedian, I mean, probably there's assumptions that, you know, with my slow Southern accent, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of stereotypes that come with that. Um, but I try to show people that I'm very thoughtful about, my stories and making it a narrative and having a beginning, middle and end and, and showing, um, more to myself through, through storytelling that, uh, I'm not just an all shucks kind of gal. <laughs> um, I'm really putting a lot into these stories and, and trying to take people on a journey, um, bring callbacks back in and, Using my brain more, yeah. I try. You, think, you feel like you have to <laughs> prove that you're uh, smarter than people think you are when you I, have maybe. a southern accent? There probably is some of that, like, wanting to show that, hey, I can do this. Um, but, yeah, also, you know, I didn't want Sweet and Salty to be like, um, oh, she put out one thing. It was a fluke, and that was it. I wanted to, you know, continue that narrative, but also show that I'm not a one-trick pony, but yeah, as far as me personally, it, part of the the thing was uh, I I look I'm a I'm tomboyish I'm gay like I look tough or uh, you know whatnot I get called sir a lot um, but I'm a little daintier uh, <laughs> than than people might assume and I really have fun you know telling jokes about that at my own expense, but not, not too self-deprecating. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that leads into is the whole story about when you're on stage at a club and people keep sending you beers cause they just think you're like going to want to be up there chugging as many beers as you yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. All these beers start coming to the stage. I'm like, I never acquired a taste for it. They're like, well, that's surprising. 
I know I look like somebody that would pound a beer, take the can and crush it on my forehead and still recycle. Yeah, for sure. I look like someone that would fix your car, drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I do wear the flannels. I do wear, I do dress, I do dress the part, but uh, the other stuff, I, I'm not handy at all. I cannot fix anything. I, yeah, I need, I need help as much as the next person. <laughs> I thought it was a little risky to tell the story about getting iced. Mm -hmm. I know. I thought about because, that. Because um, I think it might start happening to you a bit after people see this special. I said that the other day. I said, I said, my only fear is that <laughs> with this special coming out, that every show I do from now on on this next tour, <laughs> people are going to be bringing me Smirnoff ice or sending Smirnoff ice to the stage trying to ice me. And I really don't want to drink yeah. it. <laughs> Have you thought about how you're going to uh, handle that if it, if it, it happens. I think it is going to happen. I'm I'm certain it's going to happen. I think I have to do one of those things. Where like, oh, that's so cute. Let me put this on the stool. <laughs> yeah, but they're not going to like that. <laughs> no, I'm going to get peer pressured. And if you watch the special, you'll see how I easily I succumb to peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other sort of big set piece, or one of them in the special that I love, is the whole story about your engagement and going to the hotel. Um, and you know, it's sort of a a nightmare scenario in, in some ways, <laughs> but I always wonder in the, in the moment, do you, are you thinking this is going to become material that I'm going to get to talk about on stage? Or are you not able to even think that way when it's happening? I can't even think that far ahead. I honestly was just so bummed in the moment that things were going awry. I was, you know, really, I, again, like I'm still not great with romantic stuff. Like anytime I end up getting it right in like a, anniversary setting or something, I'm shocked. And my wife is shocked. <laughs> She's like, Whoa, I can't believe this worked out. I'm like, me too. Um, so I just had never done anything that grand before as far as proposing to someone. So I had no, uh, you know, it's not like you just propose to a bunch of people. So you have all this experience. Um, you kind of see it in the movies. It always looks very easy and perfect of the reality of it is, is not always so smooth. And that was certainly the case for us. But yeah, I think in the moment I was just like really trying to decide if I just scrapped the whole plan that weekend. I, I walking back to the room before we even saw what the room looked like, I was like, maybe I just don't do this this weekend because something's not right. And that was before you saw what the room looked like. Yeah. And and then I was like, yeah, but like, I don't know when I would do it. And I, and I, and honestly, the pressure of just having her ring, I didn't want that. I was like, I want this responsibility to be hers, not yeah, mine. I very much relate to that. I felt the <laughs> same way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need to get this ring off of my property, uh, of my pocket. Yeah, I don't want like, it to fall. <laughs> no matter, no matter what happens, this is happening. Exactly. Now. So we were, I just was kind of like, well, it's just, I'm just doing it. We're here. And yeah. But then later when I started thinking about the, um, the series of events, I was like, well, actually that is pretty funny when you think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we walk in there and it just looks like a crime scene. <laughs> Our eyes are adjusting cause it's weirdly lit. You know what a room looks like when just the bathroom lights been left on? I'm looking around, there's like 50 tea light candles 
but they're all battery operated. And half of them are just dead. They're just dead. Tin or flickering, like, we're trying. My OCD brain is like, who made this call? But I can't even focus on it because I'm standing on a mound of something. There are rose petals everywhere. Everywhere, not in any way that makes sense. There's no heart shape or initials. It's just chaos. It looks like someone opened that back door, a bunch of shit flew in the room. Then they grabbed a leaf blower. And called it a night. I'm like, did I order the it'll do package? It takes a little bit of time or remove from it to to think it's funny. Yeah, it took like I think that happened in 2018, maybe. So it took me a minute. The other bit from the special that I wanted to ask you about is you talk about um, sort of receiving a uh, very specific, hateful Instagram message, I believe, from from someone. And you know, it's something that I've I've heard other, you know, comedians or or people talk about where you could get all this praise from people online and, and people loving, but it's that one negative comment that that sticks with you and that you can't get out of your head. But um I'm curious how you made the decision to to spend the time to to talk about that um in the special and why did you want to talk about it? Yeah, I I certainly have that thing that goes through my head like a lot of people where you don't want to reward that behavior in any way or encourage it, you know, people using their social media to spread hate and to send anonymous hateful emails. Normally, like I said, I ignore it. I don't pay much attention to it, but this this one was so specific that it just stood out to me and the only reason I included it um was because it, it wasn't like I was using my time to be like f this guy, um because like what's the point of that? I'm just I'm no better than him. Um, what I liked about it was that I did feel um this sense of like oh there is some progress here even though he did not intend that in any way shape form or fashion. It that is the reality of the situation. I mean. The fact that, again, if people watch the special, they'll see where that leads to. And I like the idea of turning something negative into something positive. Um, And that's the only reason why I decided to include it, because, you know, you can't choose what people send to you or how they choose to behave towards you. But you can choose how you uh, receive it and how it has a certain meaning to you in your life. And so part of the good fortune theme in general was, was turning things that might not be so good or so positive into something positive. Yeah. I mean, I think by the time this is out, people could, will have been able to watch the special, but we can say, I think that he, I believe he uses the term wife. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that, um... he, he, he says them really nasty things, but he does call, um, he does refer to Jax as my wife. And, you know, there was a time when that was like the worst thing possible that people who felt like him did not want us to be married, refused to recognize marriages, would not use a term like wife. And he did so quickly and casually that I was like, that is progress because, you know, the the people sending hate mail five years ago, 10 years ago would never have allowed, they would never have said that word because that was to them that word was so sacred 
and we we weren't allowed to have it. So I read the message again. How long have you and your wife been mentally ill, taco-licking lesbians who should be put in Alcatraz? And I was like, why have I not moved on from this message? <laughs> and I'm looking at it. What is it? And then it hit me. I was like, oh my God, Gary just recognized my marriage. He said, your wife. And that is called progress. I remember when we talked last time, you know, we were talking a lot about LGBTQ representation and and how that, you know, you sort of came up without a lot of it um, and that there's so much more now. How do you have, have your sort of feelings or the way you look at any of that stuff evolved over time, do you think, in terms of what you see out there and, and how, how things are changing? Because now, you know, there's obviously, you know, this whole other younger generation that's coming up with with so much more um than, than you had. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot more. Um, it's, it's a lot more common to, you know, see content on television, you know, see different types of representation from the different parts of the community. I mean, still in, in relation to what there is elsewhere, it's, it's still lagging behind, but I love that we're in a time where young people can see themselves in someone who's in the media or now you can go on TikTok, you know, like you don't even need television. You can see, you, you know, people like you right there on social media. So there's a lot more access to that. I think my coming out journey probably would have been quicker. Um, had I seen myself, you know, out there and something that I could be like, Oh wait, I, I relate to that. I'm feeling that I'm not alone in this thing. Um, because I, that was part of it. I never felt like I could talk to anybody about any questions I had or, you know, I never thought there was another way other than being straight. It's like what, what everybody else in town was doing, I guess I got to do that too. So I love that, that they have access to that. And, you know, as far as my part in it now being on the other side of it, I just try to tell stories that are, are authentic to me and, and my life as a, as a lesbian, uh, as a gay person, just, you know, here's my relationship, here's my wife, you know, here's our life together. Um, and hopefully somebody out there can take something from that too and relate to it as well. Yeah, it's interesting to see it in the evolution of your comedy or what you are talking about, because in your first special, there was a lot of stuff about coming out and that part of it. And now, yeah, it's a story about a proposal to your, you know, girlfriend, then your fiance, now your wife, um, that anyone could relate to and has nothing to do with the the fact that, that you're two women. And that's, that's not what it's about. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just uh, telling our story. And, and the hope is that, that whoever watches it can find something in it that's relatable to them, be it a proposal gone wrong or, you know, uh, not being who, what meets the eye and, um, or, you know, having your mom meddle and stuff or, uh, yeah, dealing with a, 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 a sick dog, like just different parts of our life that, uh, we've been navigating. Um, well, this special is obviously a, a huge um, 
you know, platform for you. You also have something else coming up on Netflix, I believe, mm -hmm. um, that might be an even bigger one, which is your... <laughs> You're an action star now, uh, co-starring I mean, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what is I that what's, is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I I was in Toronto for five months this summer, filming uh, yeah, a big action series. It's Arnold's first television show, um, and I never thought in a million years I would be a part of an action show, but it. Honestly, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had on set. I was getting to do things so beyond my wheelhouse, you know, explosions everywhere and shooting weapons and running and jumping and army crawling. It was so fun. Uh, and I really love that challenge of going out of my comfort zone and, and acting in a way that no one has ever seen before. So I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm so excited for people to see it because I just, from what I hear and uh, that from people who've watched it, they said it's just such a fun ride. There's every episode shot like a big movie, so it's cool. Is it a is it a comedy? Is it an action comedy, or is it just like a straight up uh, action? Yeah, it's it's like it's action forward for sure, um, but it definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. They're plenty of tongue in cheek moments or, you know, moments that are light. And my character in particular gets to bring comedy, which I of course love. Uh, so I kind of get the task of delivering the, the more silly bonkers lines. Um, <laughs> uh, but then there's that, that, you know, those big true action scenes where everybody's shooting guns and it's fighting so and stuff. Um, are there any, memories or, or stories that really stand out um, in terms of uh, interactions with Arnold specifically uh, during the time you were there? I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, every day he was on set all day, every day. He, the amount of lines he had to memorize was like nothing I'd seen before. I was blown away by how much he was keeping up with and he was so professional. And then during our like turnovers or um you know he told me had a break he'd sit there and tell stories you know about he knew I was a comedian so he'd ask me about my career and then tell me about his friendship with Milton Berle and he always had these like funny stories from like shooting these movies you know movies that we grew up on so you're like it's so crazy to be hearing him talk about these behind the scenes moments and he would talk about doing his own stunts back in the day because no one was built like him when he first started and how much he hurt himself uh doing doing those stunts and um yeah it, it was just you just felt like you were learning about movie history every day um, and I can't believe he's, he's still doing the stunts too. Cause he's, uh, he's getting up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all had stunt people. Um, but, uh, so now, yeah, we had a lot of help, but he was on his feet doing stuff all day. I mean, kicking butt M more so than the rest of us. None of us had to do as much as he did. So I was very impressed, but yeah, I think the, the day that stands out the most is we had a whole day out in the middle of nowhere at this farmhouse and he and I, we're like shooting our weapons beside each other all day and um, just like hiding from explosions overhead and army crawling. And I was like, I am doing these action sequences with like the biggest action star in our time. It just didn't seem real. 
Uh, so that was definitely like one of those pinch me moments. We were, you know, crouched behind a bar with glasses breaking over us. And he just gave me this look of like, welcome to my world kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this is my life that I've been doing for 40 years. Yep, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. That's, that is wild. I mean, did it, did it open you up to, uh, you know, want to do more, um, of that kind of stuff? I would love it. I would love it. I, I, I hope we get another season. I don't know what, you know, it's too soon to tell right now. I hope to get back and get to do that show some more, but yeah, I would, I think it definitely, I got bit by that bug of like wanting to, to try to do lots of different things in acting and not just sitcoms and stuff like that, that are very familiar to me. Is there anything else that you, you feel like you really want to do in, in this business that you haven't been able to yet? Things that you, that you think about as, as goals or. Yeah. I mean, I think I would like to do something more serious at some point. I mean, not like permanently. I don't want to like suddenly become, (laughs) you know, this, the serious actor, but I would love to take on the challenge of some sort of role that, is more intense or dramatic or, you know, just not that like silly goofball that I often play. Um, I think that would be really neat. Um, So this kind of relates to the, you know, what we were talking about with the proposal where it's something that is, uh, you know, not funny at the time, but is funny later. And it's a, it's a question I've been asking a lot of my guests, which is, is there a story or memory from your career, um, something in comedy that really makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened? Oh, like something that happened to me? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think there's so many things as a stand up that happen at shows that are horrifying. Um, I mean, my very first stand up gig, uh, not stand up gig, but one of my first headliner gigs, uh, right after I did last comic standing was this, um, place in Virginia where, they hired me to do, they said it was a charity event. They were going to be raising money. I can't remember. It's been so long what the foundation was. And he made it sound like it was going to be this like really up upscale, like dinner and show and that I would be the performer and everyone would have this nice meal. And then I'd come out and perform. And like a week before that guy got fired and whoever took over had no idea what was going on or what was planned and <laughs> or that you'd been hired and that I've been hired. Yeah. So I get to this, you know, they give me the address and it's a biker bar. It's like <laughs> a straight up motorcycle bar. And the, the dinner is like a, a tiny, like Chinese buffet that been sitting out for way too long. No one in there knew who, who I was. They hired a local opener who had, who had performed in Los Angeles for many years. So he was not new. And, uh, the stage was a crate and the sound (laughs) system was a karaoke, like a bad karaoke machine. And our spotlight was one of those construction clamp lights. My opener got up there and was supposed to do 20 minutes. He lasted two minutes, got off stage, grabbed his check and bolted. (laughs) So I was like thrown into the wolves of just trying my best on top of this apple box to make these bikers who did not want to see me perform, try to make them at least smile, um, which I don't even know if I got that far. Uh, But I somehow made it through like 
40 minutes of it. My mom, <laughs> my wow. mom happened to come to the show and she was like, are you sure this is what you want to do with yeah. your life? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. And, and that was not, probably not the best show for your mom to come to. Oh no. She was very worried for me after that for many years. Yeah, you're but like, this that is what, those this are is rough, what I get after, you know? uh, after last comic standing that you you would hope maybe <laughs> something better would happen than that. But yeah, you just yeah, it was like oh my gosh, like y- you can't believe how long forty minutes feels oh God. when no one is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a terrible feeling. Another thing that happened that I thought was so funny, even in the moment, I did a college show many many years ago uh, somewhere in Massachusetts. A like a, uh, the show was maybe 10 minutes into the show and this big group of young guys walk in like 30 guys deep. And I'm like, this is not my normal demographic. <laughs> this is odd. And so I'm trying to, you know, perform and ignore it, but they're all like there. And I'm like, this is so odd. I'm like, guys, I just have to ask <laughs> like, how, how did you find your way into this show? <laughs> and one of them said, we're, I think they said they were on the hockey team or field hockey team and they got in trouble as a team. I don't know what they did. (laughs) And the coach gave them like a list of like potential punishments (laughs) that they had to pick to like get out of being in trouble. And they picked my show and I thought it was so, I go, Oh my God, I'm your punishment. This is the most flattering and horrifying thing ever. That is hilarious. Um, that will always make me laugh. Yeah, that is really funny. <laughs> well, you have come quite a long way since since those stories, um, and it's just great to see uh, you. You know, getting getting better and better and bigger and bigger in this. Uh, oh, in well, this I comedy appreciate world. it. Thank so, yeah. you, and thank you for watching my special and for uh, telling other people to watch it it means it means so much well thank you so much and yeah good luck with everything good luck with the with the launch of the special and um thank you hopefully we'll get to talk again sometime i would love that i appreciate it matt all right that was great thanks again to fortune themester for coming back on the podcast Her new stand-up special, Good Fortune, is available to stream now on Netflix, and we will be looking out for that show with Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.